Welcome to the Hopecast. Here, we have conversations on finding life. Hello, and welcome to the Hopecast. Um, I am Nicole Eunice, and I'm joined by David Dwight, Senior Pastor of Hope Church, and we are here to discuss leadership, uh, conversations around faith, and hopefully encourage you in your daily life. So if you want to be part of making this happen, you can send me any information, suggestions, comments, something that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast. You can do that by emailing me at neunice at hopecentral.com, which is N-U-N-I-C-E. We would love to hear from you. So I want to let you guys know that today we're going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, not everyone's favorite topic, but lots of people's, which is words, uh, and that's a funny way to put it, but I was in a meeting earlier today, and we were talking about words that we've recently come upon that we were like clarifying the definition of. Can you think of any words in your life that you've recently come upon or enjoy, a word that, you, that came back into your life, maybe? Um, Elizabeth and I were talking this morning. I used the word fodder. Uh-huh. I like that word. And she's like, like, what? Why are you using that word? I mean, what's the point of what, what are you trying to say with that? So we had a little conversation about that, like why use that word and what did it mean and why was I choosing to use it and that kind of stuff. So that comes to mind because it was this morning. Yeah, that's funny. We also had a conversation last week. It came up multiple times. Does biweekly mean every two weeks or twice a week? We were like, can somebody please tell me what that word means, which is funny. I get that. That's confusing. I get that. (laughs) So anyway, so words bring a lot of meaning. Obviously, we know that. Some people love exploring words and what they mean. Some people don't. But the interesting thing about Christianity is that there's a lot of words that come with the church that I think can be kind of emotionally laden based in our experiences in our past, in our childhood, or something we've caught along the way. And I think we're in the business here in ministry of trying to bring accuracy to those words that are really important to our faith. So we were going to talk about a couple of those words today. Do you want to add to that? Well, hearing you say that, I was thinking as you introduced it, we're in the business here of ministry of trying to, and I thought trying to help people find life Mm -hmm. in Christ. So conversations about words, even some of the words that people might find they have some baggage with, still the reason we would talk about it is to try to help people find life, to really find what Jesus had in mind. So what are the words you want to talk about today? Um, So the two words I have are sin, first word, not really popular in modern culture. Um, What does it mean really? How is it used in scripture? And why does it matter, I think, really to our life? Is it an outdated word that doesn't hold relevance? Is there a difference between a sin and being a a person who makes mistakes? Uh, And then the other word is repentance, which kind of goes with it. So Mm -hmm. what does repentance mean? And I think it can have certain connotations to it. So why don't we like just take those two words and talk about them? Right. I think that these words, if they land negatively in people's ears, it maybe strikes them as what might be called like fire and brimstone kind of Mm -hmm. preaching. And, you know, it's loud, it's angry, it's legalistic, it's punitive and all that. What's a brimstone, by the way? That's a great question. Speaking of words. Speaking of words. I mean, I've heard that phrase used, and I assume 
Right. I wonder if anybody in the studio could give us a little sense of what brimstone means and maybe just like write a brief little definition on a piece of paper and show it through the window. <laughs> Hang it up for us. So I but, mean, I'm just saying that's like, a possibility means, maybe. The phrase means though, what does it mean to you? Like when you say, if you've grown up in fire and brimstone, what does yeah. that generally I think mean? if people have that in their mind, it means angry, punitive, uh, like hell, you're going to hell, it's threatening, it's fear-based, mm. all of that. Yeah. So I don't think the scriptures intend words to have that kind of negativity. Mm. I think the scriptures are trying to lead us to life. So if you've got a word like sin or repent or repentance, if it strikes you with lots of negativity... As people who feel like we understand and appreciate what the Bible's conveying, we would want to encourage people to look for, well, wait, how does this word contribute to leading me to life? And how is now, it actually used? I mean, right. that's another and there can thing. be a connect the dots process mm-hmm. to get there. But if we talk about what is sin, I think it was Oswald Chambers who I was reading last week and you and I have both heard a million ways mm-hmm. that people will say sin is this or that. He used the phrase that fundamentally sin is our nature as human beings to be independent of God. Mm-hmm. So it's like this independence idea, um, independent from God. So um, I just had this feeling that brimstone is sulfur. It's just a funny <laughs> feeling I have, given just what just showed up in the window. You couldn't think of it a moment ago, but now yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, because yeah, so obviously everyone thinks of sulfur when they think of brimstone. Of course. <laughs> and then, of course, some people are like, I don't get the sulfur connection. But we're that not going to get too lost on that. That makes that phrase better if you think of, because sulfur is smelly and yes. weird and goes with You know, angry, angry, uh, hell-based, which is interesting if you think, okay, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but the fact that Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, does not go with fire. That's that's a positive thing. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to something good. It's not a do this or else you're, you know, punished. So if we go with Oswald Chambers, that sin is our nature Mm -hmm. to be independent of God, um, Essentially, that manifests of I'm my own person. I can do what I want. I can do it my way. Who are you to tell me that all of those kinds of ideas? And then I think there are sins. Okay. Right? So if sin is our nature, and I imagine some people will balk at that, but if sin is our nature, sins are what we do out of that nature. Okay. Self-preference, self-interest over God and others, a defiant spirit of I'm my own person, I can do what I want, that these are the types of things that are sort of core elements of sin. And by nature, you mean like the setting of... It's the natural setting. The natural setting. Of, of internal wiring. Um. You might even say it's human nature. Mm. Now, that might be hard for some people. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, hard or not, at some point, it's a great question to ask yourself. Do I believe yes. in the idea that human nature yeah. is inherently sinful in the sense that sin means 
desiring its own independent course apart from God, I think it's great to just say, do I, what has been my experience with that? Do I agree or disagree with that or right. on some level? Um, Fundamentally, if you want to get really baseline about it, there are probably two views. One is human beings are inherently and naturally good. Mm-hmm. And so if they're doing bad, it's because of bad influences, uh, lack of opportunity, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. The other side is that human beings are uh, have a sin nature, independence, self-superiority, self-preference, pride over others. And so we, in essence, have to be taught and coached by our parents, so to speak, to be more thoughtful, more kind, more considerate, to think about other people. My experience as a parent, and I'm certain that my parents' experience with me, was, you know, as your children begin to grow up, you have to teach them to share. Mm -hmm. You have to um, teach them to be kind. Um, You don't have to teach them to say no. When, you know, the terrible two, so to speak, when kids are like, no, um, you don't teach them that. They just begin doing that. So without trying to get too deep in child psychology, these are sort of the two views. So what do you, where do you fit? Where, where does the image of God, being created in the image of God, fit into one of those two camps or schools of thought? Yeah, well, the theological way to say it is God created us in his image, but human beings have turned away from him mm-hmm. in a defiance and an independence, and that that is our nature. Mm. Some people want to say, no, human beings are good. I created in God's image, so that means they're inherently... I mean, so I've heard that argument. That's why I'm trying to... Right, right. If human beings were inherently good, I am persuaded that goodness would be breaking out all over the place. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of goodness, so let's not, like, dismiss that. But generally, our struggle as human beings in mass is the struggle with darkness Mm. and difficulty. And we're seeing a lot of this in our culture these days and the way people are behaving and manifesting and racial problems and all this kind of stuff. Um, Theoretically, in my view, if human beings were good, the more human beings there were, the more goodness Mm. there would be. But personally, I don't see that track record playing out. And so... Sin is this independent nature from God that I can do what I want. Now, there's also another element of this, which is God is perfectly holy. That means he is perfect in all respects, morally, in his thoughts, his words, his actions, his considerations. His very nature is without sin. Mm. It is spotless. He is perfectly holy. And by comparison to God, we are far from that. Right. Now, I remember when I was learning more about Christianity and a Christian talked to me about and said, you know, essentially, you have to recognize that you're a sinner. And at that time in my life, I was like, I've never done any of the really big, Mm -hmm. bad stuff. So I'm not a sinner, you know, murder, all the big, bad categories. Um, And somebody said, well, if God is perfectly holy, then any thought you've ever had that was anything less than perfectly holy 
we're talking about life at that level. And I remember saying to this guy, well, if that's the measurement, then everybody's in trouble. <laughs> and he said, right. exactly the right. point. Right. Okay, so if God is perfect, he can't wink at sin mm-hmm. and just say, hey, I'll hang out with you and we'll be pals. That would be like a corrupt dictator or like a mafia boss. So this has to be dealt with. And if you are thinking why, why you say that, work that out in your mind. Where would be the level where a sin would no longer be winked at? You know, there's never a way to find that place. Well, it would be okay if it was this, but not that, because then that would hurt someone. So you, it, the logic begins to fall apart if right. you try to find a sliding scale of right. what is okay. Um, I think about this with sports sometimes. Occasionally I'll see a situation in sports. And let's take, for example, take a basketball game, and it's been a tight game, and the score is like, 85, 84, and it's been, you know, tons of energy and and lead changes and the whole bit, and the clock is winding down, and there's a loose ball. This guy goes and grabs it, and he jumps up and he shoots the ball, and it goes through. So at first blush, his team wins 86, 85, but then they look at the cameras, and he actually stepped out of bounds, Mm -hmm. and he was a centimeter out of bounds. And they're like, basket doesn't count. How far out of bounds do you have to be for mm. the basket to not count? I mean, we might say, oh, come on. He was only a centimeter out of bounds. Right. The answer is he was out of bounds. You're either in bounds, you're out of bounds. If you're a millimeter out of bounds or a yard out of bounds, it doesn't change it. The shot doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Sports sometimes has this kind of yeah. way this plays out. So... What do we do then? How do we begin to come into a relationship with God that is really life-giving? And that's an important question that's really life-giving. Right. So we've just to back us up to to answer the sin word, we've talked really about kind of two things, which I think is important, because people can grow up with the concept of forgive me of my sins, Mm -hmm. which is my actions, and Mm -hmm. I'm sort of constantly in this need to be asking for forgiveness because I'm constantly doing these things wrong and evaluating, did I do it wrong? We're talking about two things, the more important and deepest one being a sin nature, which is an inherent setting. And then there's the way that that plays out, which could be considered sort of sins. And when you talk like that, I think hopefully our, our hope would be that you understand that it's a, it's a grave problem. It's not a small Yeah. Fundamentally, Jesus said, the actions and words that come out of you, they're a result of what's in you. Yeah. And one of the famous places of the Bible on this topic is Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, King David, who wrote this psalm, it's a prayer of confession. He says, I know that you desire truth in my inmost places. In other words, God, this is the deepest in mm. their kind of place. This is where we have to deal with this, at the most deep interior kind of place. So, for instance, sometimes when I sin, you know, an action, a word, Mm -hmm. or whatever, if I'm praying and talking to the Lord and asking him for forgiveness, I generally don't just say, God, please forgive me of my sin. Like, I just want amnesty and I want the slate wiped clean. I will usually pray, and Lord, would you please help me walk deeply with you so that you will do healing work in the deep place in me that led to me Mm -hmm. saying that. 
to just be forgiven of the externality, I mean, that's meaningful to know that you're forgiven. But for me, I'm like, I really, really want to grow in character. So now, God, I'm also going to ask you to work deeply in my innermost place to bring healing to that nature that caused that other thing to happen. So going back to what you said, Jesus' first teaching, the first teaching he ever said is repent Mm -hmm. for the kingdom of heaven is near. To repent is to express that I am sinful and I am turning from myself to God Mm. who is holy and perfect and beautiful and in in renouncing myself in, in repentance renouncing myself I am saying God I want you to be the one who is mm-hmm. the Lord and master of my life I'm exchanging masters mm-hmm. from me being the master of my own life to saying God I no longer want me to be the master of my life I I repent of that and my sin nature And I'm asking your forgiveness, and I'm asking you Mm -hmm. to become the master of my life. So we are not going to find the life that God gives if we don't ask him to be the master of our lives. Mm -hmm. If we ask him to be our friend or our companion, our storyteller, or our, our advice giver, if we're still the master of our lives, to use a rather odd way to say it, the valve which is that life-giving valve that comes from God alone, has not been activated. Mm -hmm. So we're not actually getting the life that God alone gives. I'm still saying, I'm going to run the show and be the master of my ship. And I'm going to say I have this relationship with you, but you're sort of a sidebar in my life. You're a pal and advice giver. You're icing on the cake, whatever you want to say. And then people wonder, why do I not feel Mm. this fullness that I hear people talk about. And Jesus talked about living water. Why do I not feel that? Mm -hmm. And I tend to think that in today's expressions, many of them, not all, of Christianity, we're not talking about repentance from our sin and asking God to become master of our lives. And I don't want to talk about it because I want people to feel bad. I want to talk about it because I want people to find the life that's actually life. Mm -hmm. And there's a verse in the book of Acts that I really love. In Acts 3.19, the apostles are speaking to people about all that's happened with Jesus and the resurrection. And there's this beautiful phrase. And what they say is, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from mm-hmm. the Lord. I love that. And I think people who who have experienced this repentance and turning to God, this phrase, times of refreshing, they're like, oh, man, that's absolutely what it is. That is such a glorious experience. It's so freeing. It's so life-giving. And people maybe who have never come to that place, mm-hmm. they are not sure what that's talking about. Like, what are you talking about, times of refreshing? And I think repentance is the door to this joy. Mm. And that's why I want to talk about it. Not because I want people to feel bad. And I don't have a punitive, you know, hellfire, um, you know, makeup in and me. And sulfur. Hellfire and sulfur. That, that's it. I don't, I just, I'm not wired that way. I just don't have it in me. Yeah. But why then do you want to talk about sin and repentance? Because repenting of sin is the door 
to the life that Jesus was really talking about. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's a missing piece in a lot of modern Christian teaching. I like the the idea as we sort of close that some, the repentance starts with changing your mind about how it works. Right. So, you, you know, right at the beginning of the podcast, you said the sin nature says I'm in the master of my domain and I'm in charge. Repentance starts with just changing your mind about that. Mm-hmm. that's a step towards turning. Because I think sometimes people are like, well, well how do I do that then? Um, it's not just, you know, whipping yourself about your sins. It's about changing your mind essentially about right. who's really in charge right. and moving your will towards a new way of, of living with someone totally. else in charge. And if you're a person who's listening to this and you're thinking, wait a minute, you're suggesting that I like pray and talk to God and say, God, I want you to be the master of my life and not me. I remember when this first came across my radar and it scared the pants off of me. I'm like, come on, you got to be kidding. This is my life we're talking about. And you're talking to me about sort of, quote, giving my life to a God that I'm not sure I know or trust. So if you're hearing this and you're feeling that way, I just want to say, hang in there. This is part of the learning and the growing process. Mm -hmm. And as you begin to come to a place where little by little you feel that you can trust God a little bit more, a little bit more, you may begin to get to the place where you're like, okay, I feel like that's Mm -hmm. what I want to do. Yeah. All right. Hope that helps. We will talk with you all next week. Hopecast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. You can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.